The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. Hailer to the Heroes, your drama podcast about what it would take to be a doctor for superheroes. Series Apprenticeship. In the wake of new legal action limiting superhero activity, a rebellious young doc gets fed up with the red tape that hurts his patient care and joins forces with a grumpy older physician to provide secret underground care to superheroes. Episode 2 How do you perform surgery on an invisible woman? Not to mention the most infamous invisible superhero on the continent. The one they pin all the wildest escapades on, because it's so easy to say, well, there are no witnesses, because the invisible woman did it. This was the quandary I found myself in, as Dr. Blank and I rushed down the hallway with a gurney that seemed to have no one on it, screaming for people to get out of the way for an invisible emergency we weren't about to explain. But that's not where it started. (laughs) Dr. Pfeiffer, do you know any good obstetricians? The woman in the faded jean jacket leaded towards me over the nursing counter as if she didn't see me arm-deep in computer problems. Dr. Blank, do you know you're no longer in the 80s? I returned back, a bit grumpy, to the nurse in front of me as I stabbed her computer screen with my finger. Try reloading again. I swear I've put this order in three times already. I don't know why you can't see it. Oh, now I can't see? The nurse snapped. You get so uppity with your... He means to say he's not sure why the computer doesn't load it. Used to be so much easier when we could just write orders, don't you think? Dr. Blank jumped in, dangling her hand over the counter towards the nurse, as if waving away my offensive tone. She sighed, tapping her pencil on the counter with a pleasant sound. You remember those days, too, don't you, sweetie? Yes, the nurse admitted, and then bristled with all her chubby Girl Scout suspicion. But electronic medical records are the best thing for everyone now. Sure, except when they delay patient care, I muttered. "'Who are you?' the nurse snapped towards Blank, ignoring me. "'She's an expert I consult sometimes,' I said. "'There, do you see it? There's your order. Can you get his potassium now, please?' The nurse rolled her eyes at me, but rose to go get the medication. "'He says thank you,' Blank called after her with a smile. She got a glaring mumble back over that generous shoulder in response. "'I don't know why you bother,' I said." I don't know why you don't, she retorted. Oh, wait, because you're young and dumb and don't understand how bad things will go for you if you don't keep your nurses happy. I do know. Hardy har, I snapped my laptop shut and followed her faded jeans down the hallway. Are you expecting, doctor, at your advanced maternal age? That always bothered me, Blank said. The new ICD-10 coding that changed it to elderly maternal age at 35? They couldn't keep the word advanced? But no short stuff, it's not me. Come up with a list of OBs friendly to legal superheroes and meet me at the roof at seven. Please, I added for her. You're very welcome. And with that grizzled grin, she stepped backward into the elevator with her hands in her pocket. I sighed as the door closed between us and added casually interview obstetricians about their politics to my electronic to-do list. For a second chance to work with medicine and superheroes again? Sure, sue me. I'm a fanboy.
Dr. Plank didn't give me a second to speak when I saw her again that evening on the hospital roof. She strode over to me with a glowing star ball in her hand, slapped me on the shoulder, and in a blink I was in the middle of what looked like a living room with a medical table in the center of it. Well, no, I realized, looking around and steadying myself. It was just a very cozy office with a couch beside the medical table and buttoned pillows and pictures of multiracial babies on the wall. The lamp on the corner table had a green metal stand etched with leaves, like something from my grandmother's house, and a faded floral lampshade. Beside the lamp on the glass table lay a Doptones machine for tracking fetal heart rate. No, I was, in fact, in someone's living room. Dr. Blank! A plate of cookies floated in the kitchen doorway, then first a woman's hands, then her torso, legs, and the rest faded into view. Right on time. The hidden... I recognized her from the tabloids, blonde and tall, but far more pregnant. A little boy about my shade faded in around her legs, hugging her thigh. And you must be Dr. Pfeiffer, the hidden smiled to me. Blanks told me you're good with confidentiality. I nodded, but more out of professional habit than out of coherent response. Holy crap! I'd just discovered three huge world-shattering secrets that hundreds of newspapers, governments, and supervillains would kill for. The Hidden was pregnant? The Hidden already had children? The Hidden had married the Blinkster? I figured that last one because while completely visible, her son spat a glowing stain into his hand and teleported across the room. Everyone knew about the magician hero. Not that some other famous teleporting man my shade couldn't exist, but I'd bet the Hidden dated co-workers. The little boy spat again and teleported to the kitchen. I shuddered and sank into the love seat diagonal to the two women on the couch as they talked. I hated being touched, and I liked even less the idea that somehow the doctor got her teleporting stars from someone's... spit. I distracted myself by wrapping my brain around the complex implications of quantum bodily excretions. Most fans believed the Blinkster used some kind of insane gadget, special effects, or even magic, before we'd believe in biological teleportation. What was that weird rule the old physicist posed, though? The thing most likely to occur is the thing that occurs? Dr. Pfeiffer's here to speak with us about potential OB-GYNs for you, Helen, Blank said as she stripped the Velcro blood pressure cuff from the hero's arm. I figure he can talk while I get your measurements. She held up the Doptone monitor and a strip of measuring tape. Helen pouted as she climbed up onto the exam table. I still want you to deliver this one, Blank. What's different from the other two? What's different is you just had your second high BP in a week. Blank's face seemed, well, blank. She spoke almost in a monotone as she stretched the measuring tape vertically across the hidden spare belly. You've got gestational hypertension. You'll need a BPP ultrasound and labs today, then weekly labs and NSTs with biweekly blood pressure checks. Gestational hypertension can become preeclampsia and strokes and death, I know. That's what I had last time. You delivered Ginny just fine. Yes, but I'm on to you this time. Blank grinned through her teeth and gave the ultrasound gel bottle one heavy shake like it was ketchup she hated. The hidden turned towards me with that please-don't-judge-me look I'd seen on a lot of mothers. Look, I wasn't avoiding medical care. The first time, I couldn't find someone who wouldn't turn me in. And Dr. Blank didn't start working as a super doc until like a week before my delivery. But superheroes were legal all through your second pregnancy, Blank said, feeling around Helen's belly now for the baby's back. You're the one who chose to disappear into the jungle for most of it.
Hey, look, if you'd rather be mind-controlled by sentient alien plants right now, I'll gladly go back in time for you and go to my appointments instead of stopping the garden. Helen grumbled. I was starting to see a trend in the self-endangerment conundrum here, but Blank spoke with a much harsher tone than she had with Julian. It's my job to make sure your choices are informed, not to control them, Helen. She squirted the ultrasound gel violently and then pressed the Doppler probe into the goo. And like magic, the static-filled snare drum of the fetal heart rate brought a relaxed sigh to the room. The two women smiled, first at the Doptones machine and then with an old knowing gaze at each other. Not like lovers, but definitely like women who had loved each other for a long time. Blank, a new doctor isn't going to understand, Helen sighed. You're the only one who's lived it. My breath froze. I maintained my poker face, but I definitely filed away the question of Blank's superhero past for later. Blank gruffly wiped off the goo and went over to drag a large, full-scale fetal monitor strip machine out from behind the couch. Be that as it may, Helen, you will need to deliver this one early. Thirty-seven weeks, and if anything seems screwy, a cesarean. So, we need no B. But you did Karen's C-section. I raised my eyebrows. I hadn't figured blank for an OB. This time it was the doctor's turn to look like a woman who needed to defend herself. I got a hundred and ten cesareans under my belt during my year with the National Health Service Corps, she said. Crusty old male obstetrician took me into apprenticeship. It's not unheard of in rural areas where we don't have specialists. She was wrapping blue and pink bands around Helen to keep the baby monitor on her and actually smiled. Good old Dr. Cortez Rivera. The older OBs have a bravery about them you just can't find anymore. And back to me. I do about twenty easy cases a year to keep up my skills, and with a pointed glare at her patient. But you're not in a rural area, Helen. We have all the specialists you could want, and a big hospital, and Dr. Pfeiffer's found you someone who's done thousands more cesareans than me. <coughs> Helen answered, hiding her grumble behind a cookie as Blank sat down to unpack her portable ultrasound machine. Besides, Blank said, I don't have privileges here. Privileges? Helen smirked like the words smelled bad. That means that even if Dr. Blank's totally able to do a procedure, she may not have the right to do it here, I explained. The hospital doesn't know her and can't legally cover the risk. Everywhere you go, you have to get reprivileged, even if you have the training, experience, and licensing for something already. It's a stupid system. Pfeiffer here hates everything all the time, Blank said. I'm not really butthurt about not having privileges in a particular hospital. I always figure something out. To me. Well, short stuff. Earn your keep. Let's hear your big brain ideas for getting us a good OB. It seemed like such a small, stupid role, like being back in medical school shadowing. But I pulled my wrinkled list out of my pocket like that perfect presenter I hated and flashed my model smile. The majority of the OBs at my hospital are pretty vocal about protecting superhero rights, I said. Something about being the most sued specialty probably has them uncomfortable with regulations that make it easier to punish your rescuer, I quipped. But being the most sued specialty, they're also all pretty risk-averse. It's the OB paradox. Blank's tone became gravelly again now as she tore the paper from the fetal monitor, tracing her finger along the black line bouncing up and down across the pink graph. You see it in other places, too. Other politics. Eighty percent of OBs won't perform elective abortion. Too dangerous for the woman. But the plurality of OBs will still vote to keep it legal. 
The unrelated political commentary raised the hair on the back of my neck, but Helen seemed well accustomed to it. Do you even like these people? she asked. It's my job to state the truth, not to like or dislike it, Blank said. Names, Pfeiffer? Doctors Giuliani, Hernandez, and Brown all answered, hell yeah, when I brought them the theoretical of an invisible superhero pregnancy, I said. They've all got good ratings with patients, and no history, online anyway, of anti-hero activism. Charles Buddy can run a background check on those three, Blank suggested. Helen crossed her arms with another pretty pout. I still couldn't believe she was a mom of three. Or actually a superhero, if I hadn't seen her face in the videos. Who knew the world's one-time savior was a whiny valley girl? Apparently hearts of gold came in many disguises. Helen, Blank said. The pout deepened. Helen, I'm not delivering a high-risk baby if someone else can do it better. It's not about whether I'm not I'm good enough, it's about giving your baby the best. Hidden didn't answer. I saw her fingers and toes go invisible. Involuntary stress response, it seemed. Poor lady. I smiled and my mouth rolled into that gentle tone my patients adored. I'd found questions, instead of statements, fostered better cooperation. Mrs. Hidden, what's your biggest concern? I asked. None of them have worked on superheroes before, Helen said. Blank knows how to think about our different biology. I don't trust these people. That's a reasonable concern, I nodded, letting the low rumble of my voice soothe the room as I leaned forward. What if Dr. Blank works together with your new OP? Her expertise with heroes, plus their expertise with obstetrics? Blank watched me and leaned back, stuffing her hands in her pockets. Of course, that had always been the plan. It just hadn't been presented to the patient that way. She was scared of being abandoned. That would be okay, the hidden said at last. I looked up. Blank's steely gray eyes flickered with approval. Mission accomplished. Mm-hmm. The day of the induction, Blank seemed jittery. Well, jittery for her. We walked in together from the parking lot, and she seemed curled over the cup of coffee she clutched, eyes fixed forward. I have trouble trusting new people, she said calmly. You said the background check came out clean, I offered. Not so much a background check as a thorough and invasive stalking. Her voice grinned, but her face did not. You've got friends in low places, I sang, a little off-key. Mm, she grunted. I don't know what we're going to do if this OB rats us out. We walked in silence, my loafers swept-swepping and her boots click-clonking down the hall. Dr. Hernandez, our chosen one about my age, met us in the patient room with a stack of paperwork and a poster-boy professional smile like mine. Surprise! I got you privileges for delivery in this hospital, so everything's above board, he said to Blank. You've got an impressive track record with low-income care. Still no computer access, but I'll handle the orders. I'm excited to work together on this fascinating case. Fascinating case? I didn't hate him when we met before, but suddenly I loathed his face. Blank smiled back brightly, not like herself at all, and thanked him. Was she friendlier with people she didn't trust, I wondered? As she looked over the IV drip, chatting with Hernandez about this or that induction of labor principle, I walked over to sit on the bed by the hidden. Hello again, the hero said. It's good to see another familiar face. 
She seemed pale, especially without the makeup, and dark circles under her eyes told me she'd had trouble sleeping the night before. Don't worry, I said. You've done this plenty of times before. That's why I'm worried, she chuckled. She looked down at her hand and her wedding ring and then back up at me. You know, doctor, you can just call me Romeo. I'm not on your case officially. It's technically my day off. She laughed a tinkling merry laugh. Ah, Romeo the matchmaker, connecting patients with doctors. That's all she's used me for so far, I nodded towards Blank. It's impressive that she trusts you this much, Helen said. She watched Blank for a moment as the two providers paged through the documents Hernandez had brought. The soft rustling of the papers and the low voices in the quiet room sent a calm, cool rush down the back of my scalp. And I almost yawned. How long have you known Dr. Blank, I asked. We had a situation rescuing Ugandan child soldiers. She stitched me up on the battlefield to keep me invisible, Helen said. That was, well, enough time ago that you'd guess how old we are if I got any more specific. Wait, you lose invisibility with epidermal integrity? I asked. Um... I don't know. My blood isn't invisible once it leaves the cover of my body. The rest of me is still invisible. She brightened and straightened like a lamppost, looking over my shoulder at the door. Charles! Yep, as expected, a lighter black man with the right build, if you added padding and magician clothes, to be the blinkster. Seeing his face outside of the mask, though, I'd imagined him younger. I rose to shake his hand. Charles shook but didn't look at me and slid to a seat on the hospital bed beside his wife. Hey, he said. Listen, I... I tuned the mountain and slipped away. A big part of medicine is knowing the healing value of keeping your nose to yourself, and I thought, matchmaking complete, that my job was done. Inductions take a while. A woman can expect to hang out for the better part of a day or two, wading through uncomfortable but not quite labor contractions for hours without food. Multips like Helen don't take quite that long, but I still doubted she was enjoying my day off like I was. Screaming demons, fleshy, tendril-stuffed caverns, a viewscreen covered in blood. The new Doom Eternal game had similarities to Obi-Gyne, but I preferred the plasma cannons available in the former. I did ace my surgical rotation in medical school. Gamers who play first-person shooters have statistically proven better surgical skills, but I definitely chose internal medicine over surgery for a reason. Many reasons, actually. For one, I prefer to keep my hyper-masculine overcompensating jock posturing to the fantasy world. A buzz in my pocket put the bicep-kissing hell-slaying on hold. Get here now. And then, after a second, please... I threw my coat on and ran out the door, hospital laptop under my arm. When I got to the delivery room, the OB was standing over what looked like an empty bed with a hospital gown hovering over it, and Blank was very calmly, very clearly, pissed off. It's mag toxicity. I don't know how, but it's mag toxicity, and I want that bag tested, she said. Writing the order now, I said, whipping the laptop out from under my arm like a plasma cannon from a holster. She marched from the bag over to the other side of the bed. 
I want it tested, and the valve fingerprinted. Unconscious and invisible under the influence of a neuroinhibitor? I'd bet the key to the city someone turned up her Mac while I was in the bathroom. I can guarantee you, Doctor, you and I are the only people who've accessed this room, Dr. Hernandez insisted, feeling his way across the cot. Blank yanked his hand and placed it. This is her knee. It's almost like you've never done a physical exam blindfolded before. She whacked the invisible knee with a knife hand chop. Feel that? Reflex gone, plus decreased respirations, and she just fainted mid-sentence, talking about a headache. Ordering calcium gluconate now, I said, typing like a pro. Thank you. Blank's tone eased a little as the steel eyes saw me now, as if for the first time. And get the ultrasound machine back in here. On it. I'm nothing if not servile. I shot her a smile as I whipped out the door. I swung by the nurse's station to snatch the calcium gluconate with a friendly tap on the counter. They handed me the bag in wide-eyed silence. Dr. Hernandez had ordered all allied personnel to stay out of the room, and I could imagine they had questions, but you could cry hippo for almost anything to get your way. As I came back to the room, bag in hand, wheeling the ultrasound machine down the hallway, I could still hear Hernandez talking. Well, that's not ideal, he said. I opened the door. Helen was still invisible and unconscious. Blank grabbed the machine from me with the resolute face of a tiny warrior grabbing a machine gun, and before she'd even reached the bedside, she one-handedly popped the lid on the ultrasound gel and shot a stream of it across the bed. The line of goo seemed to float in the air, outlining the pregnant belly. But nothing was quite as striking as the puddle of dark blood forming on the sheets. I think she's abrupting, Blank said to Hernandez, pointing to the ultrasound image. A dark blob was forming under the shadow of the placenta. Look. I slipped to the side and pressed the button on the automated blood pressure machine. She's hypotensive, I said. And that's a late D-cell. Blank steel gaze burned so hot on the pink fetal monitoring paper I could almost imagine it smoking. And another. The gray fire turned on the OB. Dr. Hernandez, she needs a cesarean. The man stood at a distance, both hands dangling limp by his sides, and said nothing. The IV machine whirred, setting itself. The snare drum of the fetal heart rate slowed. Dr. Hernandez? He swallowed, opened his mouth, and then closed it again. That poster boy smile we shared washed over his face. I'm sorry, you can't be serious. She's invisible right now. Blank stared at him and then turned the steel fire on me. That's why we asked for someone who has your surgical experience, I stammered. In case this happened. It would be butchery he said. I can't possibly. He stepped forward, head tilted, and voice lowered, as if to share a secret. You know, the litigation for this will be a nightmare. Blank pursed her lips and stared at the invisible line of goo. I was livid. Litigation? What do you presuppose? Could conservative management, fluid resuscitation, the fetus is losing oxygen, Helen's bleeding out as we speak. Yeah, tough talk from internal medicine, Hernandez laughed. Are you the one who can be sued up until the baby turns twenty-one? I have other patients to think about, too. I can't lose it all for... I'll do it. We both turned to look at the tiny woman, a stocky statue by the bed. Her eyes hadn't moved from Helen's belly. I'll do it, she repeated, and came to life. Her chin snapped around at us as she dashed to the sink and yanked out paper towels, wiping gel off her patient as she talked. Thirty minutes from decision to incision starts now. We don't have time to chit-chat. If this goes well, you take credit for it. If it doesn't, I operated without privileges and it's on me. You've seen my procedure logs. I just need your room. And my OR tech, Hernandez said, eyes glittering with opportunity. He wasn't going into any deal without a witness on his side, too. Absolutely, and the nurse anesthetist, too, Blank agreed, unplugging the IV machine from the wall. 
And you can tell said professionals if they can't keep their mouths shut, someone will help them. She kicked the brakes on the bed. You'll be in the room, unscrubbed. I'm having Pfeiffer first assist. The internal medicine guy? Hernandez laughed again. You're insane. I didn't look up. I was clicking in operating room orders with the same speed and precision that earned me all those doom glory kills. Cephazolin one gram. Blood on standby. H&H. The internal medicine guy who knows invisible biology, yes, Blank said, pushing the bed to the door with what looked like all the might in her tiny frame. You think we came in here without a plan? <laughs> so that's how we came to be skidding into the operating room with our empty-looking bloody bed. Once through the double doors, I rattled off my checklist to her, reading over my computer to make sure I hadn't missed an order. She set up with the OR tech, still accustomed to doing all the handwork herself that most doctors didn't do. I had another last-ditch idea on the way over here, I said. If the invisibility is actually a pheromone turning off the viewer's cerebral cortex, we could shut off your olfactory nerve. I raised two nose stoppers. Good thought, but I've tried that before. It's not a pheromone, Blank answered, slathering Helen with disinfectant now. Her battlesuit responds the way you'd expect for someone with a sheet of guanine crystals under an epidermal pigment layer. She's like a chameleon in high def, I nodded. I'd done my homework. I grabbed a pile of sterile ultrasound gel packets from the drawer. So, initial visual field? Yep. The outside of these packets isn't sterile, so we can't touch them, the tech can't touch them. We need an unscrubbed helper. On cue, Dr. Hernandez entered, and I handed him the armful of gels. Sir, I said, leaving blank to explain as I went to scrub my hands. For those few minutes, alone with the running water and the hot, scratchy brush on my skin, I had the opportunity to feel nervous. Sure, I was safe. The assistant isn't the one who owns the credentials for a procedure. But this only made me feel guilty, because even though I couldn't take the fall, if my ideas screwed this up, Blank would get in trouble, and the hidden could die. The hidden. Wow. I'd read so many comic books and news articles about her and her team before. She'd single-handedly save her hometown a couple times on her own, and the world several times with her team. I couldn't believe she actually sounded like a teenager and looked like a mom. We've talked about your main job, Blank said, joining me in my thoughts to wash up herself. Don't try to do anything exciting or special. Just do your job. I got it, Blank, I said. It should be just a normal cesarean once we get past her skin, she said. Just high-def pigmented epidermis. Just keep your hands out of my way. Got it, Blank. And make sure to hold the scissors in your dominant hand and... Blank! I never shake people, even when my hands aren't on their way to sterility, but I wanted to shake her then. Blank, we got this. She stopped and took a deep breath. She couldn't tell me how it felt operating on a friend. I understood that. I couldn't see her mouth under the mask on her face, but I know she pursed her lips together. Then, with both arms raised in that 90-degree sterile salute, careful not to touch anything, she backed into the door to get this thing started. We could see the hidden's belly like a hologram, visible with the thin blue film of sterile ultrasound gel covering it. Synthetic fabric rustled as Blank suited and gloved up, dressing with the deliberate haste of someone running away from a one-night stand. I followed, winking at the wide-eyed OR tech as I plunged my hand down into the outheld glove and brought my hand up into a fist. I am inevitable, I snapped my fingers. No one laughed. The reference was more of an inside joke for me than anything. They talk about cutting the tension in the air with a knife. I had no such metaphorical knife and could barely breathe through the anxiety in the room. 
This is insane, Dr. Hernandez repeated, standing in the corner with his bare arms crossed over his short-sleeved, non-sterile scrub shirt. This is insane. He watched, neck craned like a child riding by a wreck. Blank didn't answer. First incision, she said. The nurse anesthetist repeated her words, watching the ventilator breathe for the unconscious superhero. I almost didn't have time to scramble to the other side of the table across from Blank before the scalpel slid through skin. The welcome trickle of blood followed. My hand shot out to dab it with a white surgical lap sponge. I moved my hand away to reveal the gleaming yellow layer of fat underneath. No such luck. Her insides were invisible, too. What the hell? Neither of us said anything. Blank kept her eyes on the surgical field in front of her, as if she saw something we did not. The human body is full of pigment and layers upon layers of connective tissue and epithelium. Apparently the hidden had the same guanine crystal layers under all her tissues, all now invisible, all responding to her nervous system's emergency. Just like we talked about, Blank said to me. I nodded. My blood becomes visible when it leaves my body, Helen had said. I smeared the blood from my lap sponge across the layer of fat. All the tissues now looked alike, but at least looked like something. Blank breathed, her fingers now dissecting through the spongy tissue. My brain moved a mile a minute. With the other hand, I pulled a fresh lap from the OR text tray next to me, ready to apply pressure or dab, because too much blood would also make it impossible to see. We were through the fat in an instant. I painted the rectus abdominis muscles red. Blank's fingers skittered across the surface before her like a typist's hands reading a keyboard. The patient's warmth seemed to sear through my forearms and through my gloves. Through the muscle now, we both hooked our fingers into her burning abs and pulled to open up the invisible space. Bladder blade, Blank said. The Artec handed it to her immediately. Old-fashioned, Hernandez commented. I wouldn't normally use one, Blank said. No good evidence for it anymore, he said. Right, Blank said. But I can't see the bladder. She wedged the huge scoop into the large gash we could both feel now and handed the tech the end of it to keep the bladder away from her scalpel. "'What's your name, miss?' she asked, still probing and tearing tissue away with her fingers. "'Santiago,' the woman said, holding the tool in place. "'Rita.' "'Thank you, Rita,' she said. "'I rarely heard surgeons thank people for just doing their jobs. "'But blank was different. I shot my hand in, dabbed, and smeared. "'We'd reached the uterus.' Please, baby, don't be invisible, too, Blank murmured, hands still pattering over the surfaces with the same firm, almost hug-like quality as when she found the fetal heartbeat at Helen's appointments. Dr. Hernandez, get ready to receive the baby. Then, to the anesthetist, she called, Uterine! She sliced into the uterus, and blood and amniotic fluid gushed across the field. Blank shoved her hand deep into the cut, feeling around frantically for the baby. Push, she ordered me. Push now! My hands followed above hers to find the woman's belly, outside the open wound, above the baby, and with all my weight I leaned on the hump I felt. Shove forward, not down, Blank snapped. I was. I was shoving forward, but in the literal heat of the moment a sweat dribbled down my leg and humidity under my mask suffocated me as I understood and held my tongue and pushed at as far an angle I could, well aware, like everyone else in the room, that the longer the baby stayed in an open uterus, the poorer its chances, until... The pressure released. There was no sound, but you could feel it. Blank had removed first the head, then the body, and the baby was in fact visible. But blew around the mouth with poor tone. No movement. Apgar 5, my brain cried. Dr. Hernandez, please switch out with me, I blurted. I'm pediatrics. I need to take this baby. Oh, we need suction pitocin, and I need to close this uterus so this woman doesn't bleed out, Blank shot back at me as she cut the cord and grabbed back in for the placenta. The anesthetist started the pitocin. 
I grabbed the baby, instinct overwhelming reason. Rita the Oratech looked between my disappearance and Dr. Hernandez's hesitance. She slid into my place with the suction tube and the lap cloths. Amniotic fluid and blood gurgled off the field. Thanks, Rita. Can we hang that whole blood? Blank's voice said somewhere in the background of my mind now as I took the baby to the warmer, my hands now flowing through the motions I knew as I slapped a mask together and blew oxygen over the baby's face. I welcomed babies to my pediatric service almost every week. This was my thing. It still stopped my heart when baby went invisible. Come on, cry, buddy, cry, I whispered, rubbing baby's back aggressively with a towel. Nope, still no. My fingers checked the dials of the warming machines with one hand as I snatched a stethoscope off the wall with the other. 21% oxygen, PIP to 20. Now I pressed the mask against the little face as I listened to his tiny heart. You've got a great heartbeat, little dude, I said. And on cue, he kicked and cried his way to a five-minute APGAR score of eight, visible again. My breath puffed out of me. I hadn't noticed I was holding it, and I instinctively relaxed. Hear that, Helen? Now I need you to push through, lady pants, blank muttered to the unconscious woman. You gotta stop bleeding. I wanted to help, but I couldn't go back over to the field, not now that I'd contaminated myself. Rita the Artec had my wash and paint routine down better than I did anyway. I resisted the urge to wipe my brow. I leaned on the warmer by the little one, measuring him and welcoming him as my huge hands checked head to toe for abnormalities. Just like at the airport, little man, gotta get frisked to enter the country, I quipped. I glanced over my shoulder at Dr. Hernandez. He was suddenly alive, pacing as if he might leap on something. I think seeing me take pediatrics and the OR tech take first assist and the blood everywhere suddenly shook him into a sense of normalcy. The invisible surgery wasn't actually that unusual. He could have done it, and he knew it. You can use my laptop to put in orders, man, I said to him. He nodded and jumped for it. I'm getting methergine and hemabate for maternal hemorrhage, and I'll give her a rectal misopristal while you're working, he told Blank, typing away. Thanks so much, she said. Something like happiness rang at the edge of her somber voice. To the anesthetist, how's your blood pressure? Still 99 over 60. Hang another unit of blood. I've got to get the uterus closed. Two-layer closure, Dr. Hernandez. Great, he said. I'm getting the medications. I lifted baby's arms and let go. He let out a shrill cry. Great reflex. Ran my finger along the side of his spine. He twitched each side, pressed on his feet. Uterus closed, working rectus abdominis now. Blank updated. BP? 110 over 70, said the anesthetist. Okay, Helen, you're going to wake up for us soon, Blank said in a low growl. I smiled, and not just because baby's little fist closed over my finger just the way it should. I'd known a few operators who talked to their unconscious patients, and it felt so kind. I liked it. How's the foley? Can you see the bag from where you are? Yep, clear, I said. No blood in the urine meant no bladder injury. Hernandez ran back into the room with medications for the nurse anesthetist to hang. He gloved up and gave the intrarectal misoprostol, looking for all the world like a mime pushing pills through the air until they disappeared. I looked away. It's strange seeing one of your heroes like that, even invisible. But out of the corner of my eye, I could still see blood dripping onto the floor from the puddle that had formed between the hero's legs. And closed. Blank threw up her hands. Twenty minutes, I said, now wrapping the infant in a hospital blanket. We had practiced this so much over the past month. Not bad. I'll be happy when she wakes up. Blank choked, tearing off her first layer of gloves now. Give me more laps, Rita, will you? I want to clean this mess and recheck the bleeding. Yes, ma'am. 
Rita said, already wiping off the silhouette of blood that kept the woman's legs visible, and it looked as if she were washing the hero out of existence. We all stared for a moment, I think almost tripping out at the strange scene as we waited for another trickle of blood. But the hemorrhage had stopped, and with a moan, Helen came back to the world of the scene. I was sitting alone on my little red roof, smoking with the sunset, under the maple tree's soft emerald haze of spring leaves when the jeep pulled up on my street. I said nothing as the driver got out and approached my house, both hands in the pockets of her distressed canvas jacket. I did watch with great interest as she climbed the tree to come sit next to me. It was only one story, and a very easy climbing tree, but she wasn't a kid. Helen said you had a superhero past, I said. It's none of your business, she said brusquely. The back of my neck bristled. Really? After how well we'd worked together on this last case, practicing and studying every day with that hair-raising finish, she'd play this, like, get-off-my-lawn card? I huffed harder on my cigarette, glaring into the sunset. So no video games today? she asked. That's none of your business, I mimicked. Fair enough, she chuckled. I wanted to ask if you'd seen Julian back yet. Yeah, I said. No abnormalities in the aspirate, and I don't know if that rules out sabotage. I imagine if you're worried about tiny shrinking robots, they can go down to sizes we can't see or something. I can tell you I kind of do believe Helen's magnesium drip was sabotaged. Bag tested normal. I managed to see the surveillance tapes of the room with a buddy in security, and there's footage missing. You can definitely see that position of the drip valve changes from one shot to the next. They've launched an investigation into the missing footage. You mean besides the footage from the moment she goes invisible? Oh yeah, that's missing too, I said, looking at her pointedly. But you already know that. But there's other footage missing from earlier, she repeated, from when I was in the bathroom. Yes. I said, still looking at her. Her eyes danced with an unspoken what? I nodded. Better that I didn't know which superhero or superhero's doctor took what. We needed to find out which bad guy took what. We both turned back to the sunset. I felt the weight of administrative threat hovering over me. The threat of someone incorrectly connecting the missing tapes to me. The threat of the fact that Hernandez knew he hadn't performed the surgery and could rat us out any time he wanted. The threat of the stupid volunteer who'd complained when I scolded her on those chest compressions. The threat of having to see Dr. Sandman's stupid face tomorrow while he waited for me to misstep some way. Somehow. So it was probably Hernandez? Blank asked. I really don't think so, I said. He's a coward, not a villain. And not even a coward, really, just looking out for his practice. For himself, Blank corrected. You start sacrificing the one patient in the name of protecting them all, and soon you find yourself sacrificing more and more patients until really it's all about you. I didn't argue. I do think if you give him a reason to, he will tell the Board of Family Medicine you performed a cesarean in a hospital where you're not privileged. Well, joke's on him if he does that, because I'm not board certified, she said. I stiffened. Really? Licensed, not specialized. Didn't OB year one, left for family medicine internship, left that for doctors without borders. She picked at a stain on her knee. Residency didn't fit with the kind of lifestyle I was leading. No time to be a superhero and a resident, I grinned. I will neither confirm nor deny. 
But Doctors Without Borders is a great cover for doing superhero things, say, in Uganda, I said. Or I just enjoy austere medicine, she said. Not a lot of money in that, I said. No, quite the opposite, but that's who'll take me. She rose, wiping my roof off the seat of her pants. That Rita. We should work with her again. She was good. I nodded. Meanwhile, I'd had to discredit the nurse anesthetist in front of her nursing friends over lunch when I caught her starting to talk about the case. I lied to the group with a handsome laugh, and in my suave, smooth-voiced way made her look like a crazy person. I hated myself for this. I hated liars in general. Something that occurred to me when I was playing Doom earlier today, I mused aloud. The scariest monsters look like the human body systems. I mean, they decorate for Halloween with our skeletons. Maybe it's because we fear the bad guy that lives inside of us. Blank, halfway down the tree, paused to look at me with a raised eyebrow. You okay there, short stuff? she asked. Yeah, I said, rising now myself. Just never had to worry about someone purposefully trying to kill my patients before. Welcome to the real world, Blank answered. We'll figure it out. I nodded and shot her a winning smile, but as she drove off in her jeep, I shuddered. Who in my hospital could mess with a pregnant woman's magnesium like that? Helen and Charles had been so happy to hold their baby back in Blank's bunker instead of the hospital. Where I might worry about decreased level of care, they worried more about their enemies finding them. I saw very clearly why Helen feared a new OB instead of her preeclampsia. We'd all seen different dangers based on the deaths or damage we've experienced. People who live on a different level of danger need a different approach to medicine. Somehow, I wanted to make the medical world a better refuge for them all. The End of Episode 2 Join us next time in Episode 3. Feel free to put in the comments here or email me at jen at becomingherodotninja if there's a particular disease or superhero pathology you'd like to see. What happens when a speedster breaks a limb? And so forth. Whatever you choose from your own Marvel and DC fantasies that you enjoy. Obviously, I will change the names of the superheroes involved, but uh, we can have some fun with it. Additionally, as a physician, mental health is very important to me. I'm currently affiliated with a wonderful online therapy portal called BetterHelp. At BetterHelp, you can get your own therapist that you choose um, for you know a price that you negotiate who can work with you online even while you're shut in. A lot of people are anxious and stressed out right now, so I did want to offer this opportunity, and I'm really, really excited to be working with this group. As a physician, I cannot um, get kickbacks for any kind of like official referral, so it's not like I can write you an insurance referral to this group. Um, but as an affiliate, I'm very, very excited to recommend that you go to my link, betterhelp.com slash drjen. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash drjen, and I think you'll have some fun finding... Um, you know, the right therapist for you. And if one doesn't work, you can always try another because it's an entire internet database of therapists, um, which will work with your schedule. So, um, it, and again, mental health is something that's important to me because it certainly affects physicians. If you, um, 
If you're interested in more real life stories rather than these kind of fun imaginary stories, um, please feel free to go over to the um, Emergency Exit Podcast Network and check out my podcast um, called Death and the Doctor. Um, I think that you'll enjoy that if you want to hear real life stories about real-life doctor problems, which aren't that different, actually, from some of these imaginary superhero stories as far as the drama. Life can be, life can be dramatic. Anyway, thank you very much for listening, um, and I'll see you next month with another dramatic superhero episode.